You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the business and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, we're excited to talk to Dr. Amanda Donnelly about, oh, a lot of things, but we're going to focus on customer experience, but we're going to look at it from accountability. So there's some really good tips that are going to come out in this podcast. So I'm your host, Kim Brown, and I'm the editor of Equimanagement. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you in 2023 by Care Credit. Donnelly is a DVM and an MBA. She's a graduate of the College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Missouri, Columbia. She earned her MBA from Baker University in Overland Park, Kansas. She also holds a certificate in veterinary practice administration from the AHA Veterinary Management Institute at Purdue University. Dr. Donnelly is a sought-after speaker, author, business consultant, and she's also a second-generation veterinarian. Having worked in her father's practice growing up, she developed a passion for veterinary medicine at a young age. And with more than 30 years of experience in the veterinary profession, Dr. Donnelly understands the challenges facing practice teams. She's driven by her goals of helping veterinarians become better leaders and teaching teams how to enhance the client service experience. Dr. Donnelly is the author of the book, Leading and Managing Veterinary Teams, The Definitive Guide to Veterinary Practice Management. And we will make sure and put a link to her book and her website in the article that goes along with this podcast on equimanagement.com. So it'll make it easy for you to find. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Donnelly. Thank you, Kim. It's great to be here. Well, we're excited to have you here. And I know while mostly you've dealt with small animal practices, Customer experience transcends practice types, and it's all about your team's accountability or maybe lack thereof to bring you back to customer experience. So first thing I want to ask you, is, could you define what accountability or lack of accountability is in a veterinary practice? Sure, absolutely. If you look at just a dictionary definition of accountability, it means being responsible for one's actions. So the flip side of that is if we don't have accountability, then Technically, it means we're not being responsible for our actions. But what I have found in my career and certainly the last 17 years as a speaker and consultant and working with my clients, generally when practice leaders talk about accountability, we're referencing subpar job performance or inconsistent job performance. And people may or may not be accepting responsibility. So, for example, if somebody doesn't do something correctly, you might point that out and they might apologize and say, oh, my gosh, I I didn't know. I didn't understand, which means they're being responsible. Uh, And in other cases, someone may have a flippant response or they might uh, play the blame game, for example. Oh, well, that's Sally's job. I didn't know that or I couldn't help it. And that's where you have that true, more um, technical definition of lack of accountability. But we want to expand the definition for our working purposes and really look at it in broad strokes. How do we how do we affect job performance? And that's what really what we're talking about with lack of accountability. How do we enhance and improve someone's job performance? Well, that's that's very interesting. I, I think that might set people back and go, oh, yeah, we need to talk about this in, in-house. So how can a practice identify the underlying cause of a 
lack of accountability? That's a great question because, it, you know, as veterinarians, we all know, and managers would, would know this as well, is that if you want to solve a problem, you want to think about what the cause is so you put the right solution in place. If we want to treat a patient, we look for the underlying cause of the disease before we would put a treatment plan in place. There are a number of causes of lack of accountability. I always look at insufficient training as one of the number one causes. And bear in mind that practice leaders may think that they have provided training, but they may not have provided it in a way that the team member um, really understood or maybe retained the knowledge. So always as a default say, is there some more training or better training, different training that I could provide this in individual? So that's one major cause. Another major cause is lack of clarity. And that would either be lack of clarity of the protocols or lack of clarity maybe on job expectations. What you do want to look at is do we have one or two people that are demonstrating lack of accountability or is it across the board? Maybe you have five or six people who aren't following the protocol. In that case, we really have more of a systems problem. The protocol just in general is not clear to everybody. But if only Sally is not following the protocol, then we really have a people problem. And so we would go beyond that and say, okay, maybe Sally doesn't understand expectations or there are other issues. Maybe we have a poor job fit. That can be a cause of lack of accountability. Another cause of account, lack of accountability is if there's never any consequences for unacceptable behavior. A classic example here would be tardiness. If we have people that are tardy, but there are never any consequences for that, then tardy will tardiness will continue to be a problem. And then a last major cause, unfortunately, that we will see for lack of accountability would be suboptimal motivation. And you will see that when you have individuals that you know are trained and they're talented, but they have this inconsistent job performance, or maybe they have passive aggressive behavior uh, and some uh, uh, blaming or playing the victim. And in those instances, we have another word for suboptimal motivation would be a lack of engagement. So we would definitely put different strategies in place for those types of causes versus some of our other causes that might be more about looking at the systems in our practice. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Care Credit keeps equine veterinarians at the heart of care by providing horse owners with simple, budget-friendly financing options. By bridging the gap between cost and care, Care Credit supports healthy financial relationships between veterinarians and their clients. It can help them move forward with care a horse needs whenever and wherever it's needed. In customer experience, how can maybe accountability affect customer experience? That's a great question, Kim. It, it comes apart or it come, comes to play in a couple of different ways. So for example, if someone may be, let's look at a couple of examples that might be a lack of accountability. Let's say we have an angry customer in the equine world that might be a trainer. It might be an owner. Uh, it depends on, you know, who, what type of equine practice that you have that you're dealing with. And maybe that client becomes very upset and are angry. You might have a team member that doesn't handle that well. And that could be a lack of training. They just simply don't have the communication skills to know how to de-escalate an angry client. So it doesn't mean they're a bad employee. It doesn't mean that they didn't care. They simply didn't know what to do and, and maybe had some poor responses. 
So that's a training issue. Now, maybe they didn't know what the protocols were. Maybe this is a VIP client. Maybe, you know, we treat them differently. Uh, Maybe we have payment policies that weren't followed. All of those would be examples where if we didn't have a team member that was trained, knew the policies, uh, and and um, and was following them, then, then those are going to affect customer service. Um, so those are a few examples. And I'm trying to think, I think with suboptimal motivation, what you'd be looking at there is you might have team members who... Uh, you know, maybe they're tired, maybe they have a little bit of compassion fatigue, maybe they don't like a particular client. And so on any particular day, they're just not stepping up their game and and following a protocol or using really good communication skills. Uh, and, and they might may or may not be, you know, involved in the blame game. But everything that we do in veterinary medicine, there is some type of an owner uh, or client attached to that animal, whether it's a companion animal in the case of, of, of some of our horses or whether it's a, you know, a thoroughbred bred racing animal, it, you know, it doesn't matter. Somebody is the client and that animal, that pet is not going to get care if we don't attend to the needs of the client. And so that's where we can have accountability issues. Team members need to understand. I'm, I'm a huge advocate of patient advocacy or which what I mean is we, we're trying to get care to veterinary care to those animals and pets that need it, but that's not going to happen if our team doesn't attend to the clients. That's why that customer service experience is so critically important. That's a really great point. So how can, we had talked about this a little, how can effective delegation enhance accountability when it comes to that? Yes. And I talk about this in my book, Kim, because there are certain communication strategies that you want to put in place in your practice to try to enhance and create a culture of accountability. So rather than waiting until people have problems with their job performance, we want to set them up for success. The delegation process is one way we can set people up for success. And I detail a five-step process, and I'll, I'll go through this pretty quickly, just highlighting some key points. One is to remind people the value of what we're even asking them to do. And that may or may not be necessary every time you delegate a task. But let's say you delegated a task uh, that maybe someone wouldn't perceive that they wanted to do, maybe because it's tedious, it was going to be hard, they were going to have to talk to a, a client they didn't like, you know, whatever the case may be. And usually, ultimately, we can tie, tie the value of the assignment back to patient care. The next two steps are to establish the expectations for how you want something done and any priorities. Let's say a clinician, for example, had several patients Uh, that needed care, but maybe they needed one treatment done earlier than another. A clinician, you know, a doctor or veterinary needs to establish that. The the fourth step is one that is often overlooked that is pivotal in, in getting the job performance that you want. And that is what I call check for understanding, meaning check for understanding for this assignment, whatever you have asked someone to do. That is a critical step with new hires. It's a critical step with less experienced team members. And it's also a critical step with anybody that has a demonstrated problem with their job performance. How you check for understanding is important. It must be an open-ended question. 
Because if you say to somebody, what questions do you have? Human nature is people will go, you know, or, or you, you, if you say, do you have questions? Human nature is people will go, no. It just maybe because they haven't thought about it. They think maybe you're too busy. They think they should know it. But if you change it to an open-ended question, which is the what questions do you have about what I've asked you to do or what questions do you have about this patient's treatments, people have to stop for a second and they'll be more likely to be forthcoming if they do have questions. And certainly if you had a problem with demonstrated job performance, you would say, hey, you know, Let's call this this uh, technician Jessica. You might say, hey, Jessica, I just want to make sure I've been clear. Can you reflect back to me and summarize how you're going to treat you know, this horse? Then the last, uh, if it's relevant, the last step in the process is any sort of deadline or timeline. If you need uh, some lab results you know, by noon, you want to establish that. If you need a client you know, or a trainer called, by four o'clock. You want to establish those types of expectations in that timeline. So following a good delegation process helps with improved communication. And that is one strategy that will help uh, create a better uh, culture of accountability. Maybe give us some tips because you've been doing this for a long time, not only as a vet, but as a consultant. How can you have an effective accountability meeting with a team member? That's hard. Yes. And just be right real quick before we go to to that. Remember, after we delegate and on an ongoing daily basis in the practice, we always want to give people feedback. How what's going well, what's not going well, both negative and positive feedback are are critically important to uh, let team members know how they're doing and 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 communicating that to them. Once we have problems with lack of accountability, that is typically going to be a private meeting, you know, a sit down, we're here to talk about your job performance. A couple of tips for those meetings, first of all, is to be clear and succinct, get to the point pretty quickly. Uh, Let's say this person's name is John. So we'd say, John, I need to talk to you about your job performance. And then what you would do is stick to the facts. And when I say facts, it's job performance that we can see or hear or was or wasn't done. So for example, we saw them roll their eyes and harumph and sigh and stalk off, you know, when they were, you know, talking to a trainer uh, and it wasn't going well. That's that's observed behavior. Uh, another example is that something that we heard them say, maybe to a client that was inappropriate or unkind. Uh, whether something was done or not, it might be they either called the client back, you know, as they were asked to or they didn't. So that's, that's something we can look at the documentation. So we state the facts. We focus on the behavior. The next step or tip that I have for accountability meetings is to endeavor to tie the reason why we're talking about this to the core values of the practice. Because the question is, why is this really important? I don't think team members, I just don't believe hardly any of them come to work with a desire to not have a good job performance or to act ugly at work. What we want to do is say, well, why is it important? Why is it important for, let's look at tardiness, something as simple as that. Why is it important that they're on, you know, as it relates to the customer service experience, why is it important that they're on time? Well, if they're not on time, they're not there to help our clients. And it shows a lack of respect to the clients. It shows a lack of respect to their coworkers. So that's the why. Uh, If we look at talking to somebody about how they communicated with the client, maybe that 
that was unkind, we might reference compassion as a core value of the of the practice or exemplary customer service might be a core value of the practice. So weave in the why. That's why we're bringing this to your attention and then be very clear on the next steps. So they need to leave that meeting knowing what they need to do differently. What will happen sometimes is practice leaders will have an accountability meeting. They'll tell somebody what they're not doing well uh, and say, we need you to do better. But if the person knew how to do better, they might already be doing that. So what we would need to do is either reestablish the expectation, uh, make have a conversation about the protocol that they're supposed to follow. We might... Uh, identify and ask them some questions that would uncover maybe if they did need more training. And then we would have them leave the meeting knowing specifically what it is that we wanted them to do differently. Let's say, for example, we wanted them to avail uh, themselves of some resources that we had on how to deal with angry clients. We might want them to practice a specific communication skill, such as conveying empathy to a client. So we would identify what those empathy statements sounded like and say, you know, at least once or twice a day, we want you to convey empathy to our clients because it takes time. It takes practice for a client communication skill to become a habit. But people need to know when they leave that meeting what it is that they're going to do to meet the expectations of the of the manager, whoever met with them. We don't want we don't want to just tell them what they're doing wrong and not have them have a clear path to success. And then lastly, what I would remind everybody about is we can have an accountability meeting with a team member and that's going to involve the negative feedback and telling them what they uh, need to change. And at the same time, we as practice leaders can convey empathy to whatever their situation is. Because somebody might be struggling at home. They might have childcare issues or other types of caregiver issues. They might be going through a divorce. They, uh, they might just be tired and, and under stress. So we can convey empathy at, and not going down a long path about getting involved in people's personal business, but say something like, wow, I'm so sorry you're having challenges at home. And then the next sentence or two would be, we do need to look at how you can change your job performance to adhere to our standards of client service. So I just want to be clear that we can give empathy to our team members and at the same time hold them accountable. That's a good point. And is there anything else that uh, you would like to add today to talk about customer experience? Um, not specifically, other than uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out two two key points, Kim. One you hit on at the very beginning, which is that customer ser- um, service, client experience, those uh, uh points are the same no matter what business we're looking at. It doesn't matter whether it's small, mixed, uh, equine practice, because all of, you know, we want to create a good experience, just like, uh, you know, team members. When I talk about team development, and I have spoken at several of the equine meetings and have had equine clients, it doesn't matter whether team members working in an equine hospital or specialty hospital or general practice hospital, these concepts are all the same. And I, I do think readers will find that while my examples in my book might be mostly about small animal, 
the concepts are, are going to be applicable all across the board and, and there's value. And the last uh, chapter of my book is chapter 10 is on client communications. And again, even though we're, we're, we're talking about horses in the equine world, the concepts of asking open-ended questions, using reflective listening statements, empathy statements, communicating the value of our services, all of that transcends, you know, regardless of what uh, species we're working with. Well, we really appreciate it. I know you have a, a hugely busy schedule, and I really appreciate you being on our podcast today. Well, thank you so much, Kim. I really appreciate the invitation and uh, any follow-up questions that come up, you know, just have people reach out to me and best of luck with uh, the rest of your uh, speakers that come on your podcast. It's so wonderful that you're doing this. Yeah, and and we want to remind our listeners that the name of the book, Dr. Donnelly's book, is Leading and Managing Veterinary Teams. The Definitive Guide to Veterinary Practice Management. And again, we will have a link directly to that book and to her website if you want to talk to her um, on the article on equimanagement.com. So thank you all for joining us today on the Business Practice Podcast. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Care Credit, for letting us have these discussions. And we invite you to visit equimanagement.com or your favorite podcast network to hear all the episodes of the Business of Practice. And if you have any questions or suggestions, send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown, at equinenetwork.com. 